Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series, Help My Unbelief. In this series, we dive into one of the most challenging topics in the Christian walk, doubt. Not only is doubt natural, but we believe that by grounding ourselves in the truth of God's Word, the Lord will use our doubts to quicken us back to Himself. Over these four weeks, we hope to unearth what it looks like to grow in uncertainty, clinging to Christ while walking alongside Christian community. This is week four. Everybody say week four. This is our last week in our doubting series, talking about one of the toughest topics in church. What do I do with my doubt? What do I do with my questions? Have you ever had questions? I've had questions. I don't know if you've ever heard a pastor say that, but I'll, I'll tell you in complete transparency, I have walked through life and experienced things um, and had questions. Like things just didn't make sense to me. If, if I thought if I served God and I chose Jesus and I showed up at church at 10 a.m. on Sundays and like I served, then things would work out for me. But then what happens when, when life isn't working out? What do we do with that? You know what happens? Questions arise. Um, we said last week that questions arise when we have um, f- weird expectations, like wrong expectations. We said that uh, if, if we have issues, it's with us, it's not with God. You know God's not the one with issues. You've got issues. You do. Uh, even if you're not willing to acknowledge it, you have issues and so those doubts don't belong to God, they, they're in us, but we can give them to God. We can take those doubts to God, um, and we also said that doubts come from disappointment, repeated disappointment. So uh, today, we are in the last week, and I'd like to talk uh, to you for just a moment about um, doubts fading in comparison. Doubts fade in comparison. Um, The very first week, we said we will use our doubts to pursue God. That when we have questions, when we have doubts, we're not going to run from church. We're not going to run from our Christian friends. We are going to run to Jesus with our doubts. We're going to run to Jesus with our questions Week two, we said we will ask God to change our perspective and to change our expectations. And then last week, we said we will not hide our doubts, but bring our unbelief before a compassionate Savior. We're not going to hide them. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to tell this story. And now everybody that knows me is like, oh no, am I in this story? You're blessed. None, no one in this room is in this story. Woody's like, yes, I get a Sunday off. We're not going to hide our doubts. You know that's typical in church, right? To hide our sin. What, what did Adam and Eve do? 
They hid. That is our natural default. When life isn't right, when things are broken, we hide. Sometimes we'll hide behind a mask and pretend to be something we're not. But specifically around doubts, uh, people, um, and we're going to talk about this fellow this morning, talk about doubting Thomas, you know. It's kind of like if you've been in church like, oh, you know, oh, they're a doubting Thomas, you know. Um, it's kind of like a, a negative thing to be said of someone. Um, I don't think Thomas got a fair shake there, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're not going to hide it. We are going to be a church where people can live in a way that we can come and walk, walk alongside them in doubt, walk alongside them in question, and push them towards Jesus. I can't help you if you aren't willing to be honest. Church will be no good to you. The community of faith will be no good to you if you are a complete falsehood and all you want to do is pretend. So, um, but we're not going to hide. Yesterday, I took my daughters to Lowe's. Why is that funny? We do that. Lowe's is cool. I don't care if you don't like Lowe's, okay? Maybe you're a Home Depot person. I think Lowe's is headed downhill, but that's a personal opinion. Um, I took them to Lowe's. I had to return a couple air conditioning units. And then I had to pick up a couple things. So I return the air conditioning units. We make our way over to the plumbing section to pick up some things for a job. And then I walk over to the charcoal section because I like looking at grills. We, you don't like looking at grills? You do at home. I can tell. You, you, you at home, you like grills. So, and then we go check out. We get back in my truck, and my next stop after Lowe's, I had to go pay a, a, a subcontractor, a guy who was doing some work for me. And so I had taken out cash the previous day to pay him, $500. And I look in my truck where that $500 was, right in the cup holder, and I don't see $500. I think. Now, I'm, I'll lose things, okay? But $500, not typically. And so I asked my daughter, who had gotten into the truck and had moved some stuff around so she could sit, have you seen $500? Did you see some dollar bills, I think is what I said? Long story short, she said, yeah. Okay, where are they? I think I lost them. My blood pressure began to boil. I felt like a heart attack coming on. Thought somebody, I'm gonna leave these kids behind. So what do you mean you lost it? She said, well, I didn't know whose it was, so I took it and I hid it in my pants and, and I said, well, where did you lose it? I think I dropped it in the store. <laughs> this, this contractor's waiting for $500. And after losing my cool, 
I bought her a pack of Skittles and Lowe's because that's what we do. We go to Lowe's. I get to look at cool stuff. She gets Skittles. And she, tears rolling. She, was, she, she knew this was a bad situation, tears rolling down her face. And she, she hands me my, her Skittles and says, I don't think I should have these Skittles. <laughs> I'm taking way too much of my sermon to do this. So what do I do? Because I was, I was headed to go pay the contract. I turned around, I go back to Lowe's, and I think, by what fate, by what providence of God would there be the $500 in cash laying on the floor? I go, nowhere to be fine. I trace my steps four or five times. Lowe's associates are like, can I help you find something? I was like, yes! $500, please. Nowhere to be found. Customer service. I hang my head. I'm going back out to the truck. Now I'm not only out that $500, I've got to go get another $500 go pay the contract. So now I've just I've lost $1,000 here. I get in the truck. Dead silent in the truck, by the way. I think Macy understood things were of epic proportions. And so I'm driving to the ATM and I hear her go, <gasps> And I look over, and she's like, and she like pulls her pants open and reaches down in her pants, pulls out five, things you never think you'll see. They don't teach this in parenting classes, but to see my six-year-old pull $500 out of her pants, never thought I'd see it. So I taught her a similar lesson. We're not going to hide. We're not going to hide things. We're not going to take things that are not ours. That helped me develop my message zero. But it was a good story, and I thought you might like it. There are many, many people in church today. You'll come here every Sunday and leave and stay hidden the whole time. And that's not what Christian community looks like. And so um, today, I want, to, uh, I want us to, since we're not gonna hide our doubts the last week, we will let our doubts be challenged by God's truth and faithfulness. Let's read together John chapter 20. And we're going to start here in verse 19, John chapter 20, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, verse 24, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, 
I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. Look at my hands. Put your hands into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Verse 30. The disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. May God bless the reading of his word. So where are we in this story? If you've never been in church, let me lay out kind of what got us to here. Jesus came as a baby, born of a virgin. And the whole reason he came was to die. You may have been born to do all kinds of things. um, But die for the sins of the entire world was not one of them. And so Jesus came, he was born, he died on a cross as payment for your sin. Now, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about how God needs to change our expectations around the the story where the disciples, Jesus' best friends, his followers, his closest followers, the 12, he had to explain to them that I know a lot of you guys think that I'm going to overthrow the Roman government and take physical charge of the world, but in fact, I came to die and to give you eternal life. So they had to change their expectations. Um, And so imagine just for a moment with me being there and watching Christ die on the cross They say the nails, a lot of the pictures you see, the nails are through the hands. Really where it was was right here. Right here, you you had these two bones in your arm. Um, They would put it here, real close to the hand. But if they had put it here, what happened is the hand would rip off of the nail because of the weight. They would put the nail here. And so he's hanging there standing on this block of wood and he would have to lift his body to breathe. This was the, uh, when you died by crucifixion, you died by suffocation. And so imagine watching this scene. 
to make sure he's dead. They take this spear. They jab a, a hole in his side. You've watched him do miracles. You've watched him bring people back to life. You've watched him care for you and, and lead you. and You've seen everything miraculous about this man and you watch him die. And then they take him down and they lay him in a tomb. They roll a stone in front of it. And then nothing. Do you think doubts begin to set in? I often wonder. We don't have a lot of depiction in Scripture over it. But I, 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 I do know this, that where we find ourselves in the text today in 20, Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb, and when she got there, guess who wasn't there? Jesus. This isn't just a Bible story. Historically speaking, the disciples wouldn't have acted the way they did. The Jewish leaders and the government wouldn't have acted the way they did. The, the, the soldiers would have still been standing there. Jesus' body was gone. And Mary Magdalene um, saw this, ran back to tell the other disciples, hey, I've seen the Lord. And so Peter, and I love John here. If you read John, like in the previous text, John never calls himself by name. He just says Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. A um, little passive aggressive. I don't know. I read it. I don't know. Do y'all have siblings? Okay. You know that sibling where you're like, oh yeah, there's that one. Then mom loves me, you know. Um, that's kind of how it reads a little bit because then he does it again because Peter and the other disciple who is John um, run to the tomb and John had to throw in here um, the other disciple outran Peter. Um, so John's like, yeah, Jesus loved me and I'm faster. So a little braggy, but they show up, they see that he's gone. Uh, then we have this little um, uh, section 11 through 18, where Mary Magdalene is left standing there, okay? So Peter and John have left. Mary Magdalene's standing, she's weeping. She doesn't know what to think. She, she initially had said, hey, somebody um, has taken his body. Um, and then it was after this experience, she said, I've seen the Lord. So she is standing there, and there's this guy she sees that asks, hey, why are you crying? And, and Mary goes, she thought he was a gardener until he calls her by name. Mary, she says, uh, uh, Rabboni, which means teacher, don't cling to me, um, haven't ascended yet. And so then she goes back to the disciples and she says, I've seen the Lord, which brings us to the story today. When Jesus' body disappeared, it was an issue. It was an issue. Um, not only were the disciples and Jesus' followers trying to figure out what was going on, but then also the government did not want others to think 
They knew what Jesus had said. They heard him say, I'm gonna rebuild the temple in three days. They heard all these things and they said, we don't want any conspiracy theories going around about Jesus coming back to life. And so um, the text says that evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors in verse 19 because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were under pressure. And I'm not talking like the kind of pressure you might experience uh, for being a Christ follower. I'm not talking about normal type of, oh, they won't hang out with me because I'm, I'm a Christian. No, their lives were on the line. And suddenly, this is, this is one of my favorite texts. I, I say this every week, but suddenly Jesus was standing among them. Picture with me, locked windows, locked doors, everybody's very tense. And then Jesus appears and goes, peace be with you. In the room. He didn't knock at the door. No, he just appeared. He said, peace be with you. Um, And showed them the wounds in his hands, um, showed him the wound in his side, and they realized he was who he said he was, And they rejoiced. It says they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Um, And then we look at verses 20 through 23, and we see that um, he said, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. Uh, Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, And if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. there are a lot of folks that would say that, that read this, and if you just read it like it is without looking at the verses previous, you think, oh, I can forgive people of sins or not forgive people of sins, which is not what the text is saying. When Jesus breathes and says, receive the Holy Spirit, he's basically telling them, you can now go proclaim to people that Jesus can forgive your sins, and when you say that, it means their sins are forgiven. And you can also say, if if you do not follow Christ and if um, you do not ask for forgiveness of sins, that your sins will not be forgiven. So he's basically saying that the power comes from him to forgive. And then we find our guy Thomas here. In verse 24, one of the 12 was not with them when this happened. Have you ever missed that one thing and you wish you had been there? This was that moment. Thomas was not there. And I think he gets a bad shake. Um, Because they say, hey, we've seen the Lord in verse 25, and he replies, yeah, I'm not going to believe that until I put my fingers in his hands and in his side. I'm not going to believe it. Have you ever been in a place where it was hard to believe? I've been in places where it's hard to believe. And this is where Thomas was. He wasn't asking anything extraordinary here. They had all seen it. But he said, I won't believe unless I see the nails in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Let me tell you, about, let me tell you something about Thomas. Thomas. And why I think he got a bad shake. Because whenever you bring up Thomas in scripture, what do you hear? Doubting Thomas. Um, If you go to church for any length of time, you're gonna hear somebody say doubting Thomas. Thomas was one of the original 12 disciples. Um, 
We find quotes from Thomas throughout the Gospels. Um, One of those was when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So the reason Jesus was hesitant to go back to heal Lazarus, to bring Lazarus back, well, well, heal him initially, and his disciples said, hey, we probably shouldn't go back there. They tried to kill us the last time we were there. Do you have habits of going back to places where people don't like you? No, the disciples didn't want to either. And so they said, we probably shouldn't go back there. Lazarus died um, in that process. Thomas, Thomas, doubting Thomas, was the one who said this. He said in John 11, he said, let's go that we may die with him. Does that sound like a guy who doubts who Jesus is? No. No, it doesn't. Thomas was zealous for Christ. He had seen all these miracles and and even to the point where there was some legitimate concerns about whether they would live through this experience going back to, to make Lazarus better. And he said, no, let's go and we'll die with him. No, this was no doubter. Thomas believed in Jesus as the Messiah to the extent of martyrdom. He wasn't lukewarm. He wasn't undecided. He wasn't skeptical. He had a close relationship with Jesus and would follow him to the very end. This was Thomas. The once zealous Thomas uh, and doubtful You know what he would go on to do? He would go on to evangelize Eastern Asia and is well-known in church history for bringing the gospel to India during the first century. This tells me a couple things. One, even the most hardcore of Christ followers can experience doubt. You're not above doubt today. And it will find you. Look, if I've learned anything about this life, I've learned that doubt will find you. But then it also tells me it doesn't have to be the end of your faith journey, right? What did we say at the very beginning? Doubt doesn't have to be the end, but the beginning of true faith. True understanding. Questions are okay. It's okay to look at God and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. He went on to bring the gospel to India. So I don't, I don't know where you're at today. And I don't know where your doubts lie, okay? But I can tell you this. There are some doubters in here today who will go on to share the gospel with whole new areas. Could be you. Don't let doubt be the end for you today. Um, So this is Thomas. This was Mr. Doubting Thomas. And then let's look at this next text here. 26 through 29. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. Thank goodness. I wish I knew where Thomas was. Like, did he run out to get milk? And he missed Jesus? I always wonder that. There's a list of questions I have for the Lord. Uh, Usually when I run out, it's to get uh, Reese cups and Dr. Pepper or Pepsi and Sour, Kid, uh, Sour Patch Kids. Um, so I would hate to miss Jesus 
Are those weird combinations? You know what my favorite combination is? Next gas station run, you need to try this. Yoo-hoo teriyaki beef jerky. Amen. Okay. All right. Y'all stop distracting me. We need to get back to this. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. So they're still under pressure. And suddenly... As before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. Picture the scene. Jesus appears to the disciples. Peace be with you. And then he turns. There's, there's, it doesn't look like there's any other interactions here. He immediately turns to Thomas and says what? He's very specific. He says, put your fingers here. Hold on, don't, don't overlook this. He just appeared in a room of a locked door. Does he have to prove anything else? Does he have to prove anything else? No, he does not have to prove anything else. No, he meets Thomas right at his doubt. He meets Thomas right at his doubt. He says, put your fingers right here. Can I tell you something? What would happen if you let Jesus meet you at your doubt? Instead of hiding it, instead of pretending like it wasn't there, he, he, Thomas could have said, oh, no, you know. I, when somebody appears in a room behind a locked door, the God of all creation shows up. <clears throat> I, I guess you don't tend to want to front because you figure he's already got it figured out. But he says, put your fingers here and look and my hands, put your hand into the wound. Think about this. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless anymore. Believe. Don't doubt. Believe. Jesus meets us at the point of our doubts. You know what he says? Look at me. You know what Jesus says in our doubts? Look at me. What did he say to the father whose young boy was demon possessed? What did he say? All, anything's, anything's possible for those that believe, right? He didn't, the, when the father approached him and said, hey, look, I believe, help my unbelief. He didn't say, hey, could you just heal my kid? He said, no, help my unbelief. Help my relationship with you. God is calling us today to look at him. Um, in his book on questions and answers, a guy named Roger Olson, a theologian, he said, the reflective Christian is one who questions what they believe while continuing to believe what they're questioning. You know, that's okay. We might see our struggles and doubts as evidence of how far we are from God, but those struggles and doubts might, in fact, show how close we are to him. As I was prepping for today, 
I'll tell you the story that came to mind from the Old Testament. And I hate that we relegate this to like a kid's story. But of all the stories in the Old Testament where I feel like doubt would start to creep in for me personally was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have you ever heard this story? Let me tell you. Band can come back up. I'm going to close. Three young men in captivity, okay? And the ruler at the time said, hey, everyone is going to worship me. They made this big image for him, and they said, hey, everybody's going to worship me. Some of you operate that way. (laughs) Yeah, you think everybody should worship you. Um, You wouldn't say that out loud, but you operate that way. So that's what this ruler said. He said, I I want everyone to worship me. Well, these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tried to get one. I'm about to have a son in August. Um, My wife was not a fan of those names. I said, baby, we're pastors, okay? So this is what we've got to do. We're Christians. Abednego, it is. Didn't work. Okay. They said, we're not going to kneel to this image. We serve God. This ruler said, if you don't kneel to this image, we're going to throw you in the fire, in the furnace. In the furnace. You ever been to the morgue? Well, I guess, I guess you haven't. You're still here. Um, um, when they cremate a body, they put it in a furnace. They put it in a furnace. This was a monster furnace. They were going to get burned up. They said, we're not going to bow. They stood. They took a stand. <clears throat> and for some of us today, their response, I think, is where we need to be when it comes to doubt. This is what they replied to the king. They said, I believe in God. I believe he'll deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship him. Have you ever faced those times where we've had to say, hey, you know what? I believe God for this. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he can. I believe he will. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship him. This is where we take, and I'm I'm sure they could have looked at the furnace. I'm sure they could have looked at the king. Um, uh, Thomas today could have looked at all types of things. The father we talked about. We could look all day at our doubts and our situations, but here's what I've come to proclaim to you from Scripture and what we know is that when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, all the things of earth 
grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Your doubts will become smaller the bigger your God becomes. The bigger God becomes to you, the doubts will grow smaller. And and look, life has a a tendency to have us focus right here and focus on the bad doctor's report or the the struggling household or the struggling marriage or the struggling kids or finances or, or what cars, whatever it is for you, have us focusing on what's broke and what would bring doubts. And he is saying to us today, bring your doubts to me. I'm going to meet you at your doubt and I want you to look to me. Would you look to him today? Would you look to him? I promise. I promise. My promises aren't, aren't very good, but scripture promises that you will not be let down by God. He never fails. And so as we close out this series, what are we going to do? We will use our doubts to pursue God. We will ask God to change our perspective and our expectations. We will not hide our doubts, but bring our unbelief before a compassionate Savior. And then we we will let our doubts be challenged by God's truth and faithfulness. We need to look to God with our doubts. We need to look to God with our doubts. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to bring before you every doubt that may be on the heart of someone in this room. Every question. Every thought that is not from you. And I ask, Jesus, that you would take it and turn our eyes, lift our eyes to you. That we're not going to look at our doubts. We're going to ask our questions, and we're going to bring those questions to you, Father. And you will meet us there. And your glory, your bigness, your all-consumingness will wipe away every uncertainty as we shift our dependence onto you. For every unanswered prayer, we trust you. For every uncertain situation, we trust you. And today, Father, we declare that we believe in you and that we believe that you can, we believe that you will, but even if you don't, still going to worship you. We're still going to believe. We love you. And as we get ready to worship and go eat lunch together, Father, we ask today that you would meet us right where we are and help us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, 
check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.